talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Is it actually double mic time? Am I seeing two mics on the screen? I think I am, and it might be. We a call ourselves we okay. call ourselves the M and M Club or the Mike and I Show, whatever it you is, prefer. Absolutely is. Welcome to Fight Club, everybody, and happy Tuesday morning. Happy Thanks, Tuesday. Michelle. Hey. Michelle, real question is which which one's taller? So both Mike and I are, are staggering it just under maybe five foot four. I, don't know I just want to well, I just want to make the I'm point sure. that you are at least two weight classes ahead of me. And it's definitely not because of the hip to waist ratio. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. wow. Hey, we take the gloves off here, folks. Wow. Uh, I'm actually down club. 10 pounds this morning, too. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm here for it. Well, good morning. Tay, get us started, please. You guys are hot and ready to go. <laughs> this might be the fieriest start to Fight Club we've ever had. There's been more hands thrown already, and we're not even three minutes in. <laughs> But welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts. And as we've heard already, we get to be joined by uh, Eminem, Mike Squared, Mike and Ike, but it's Mike Callahan and Mike Andes. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, can you guys just give a brief kind of rundown of yourselves, your background, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit? Yeah, Mike, I'll let you lead. Obviously, first time at Fight Club, so you can actually talk about this Fight Club. So to go ahead and uh, have at it. I just want to make the point that your initials are MC, and MC squared seems like a very natural progression for your brand. Nice. So uh, I just want to say, though, that without the other Mike, you are not MC squared. You're simply MC. So um, with that as my platform, uh, yeah. So my name is Mike, uh, the founder of Augusta Lawn Care. I've been doing it for like nine, ten years now in terms of mowing grass. Uh, or Augusta. I started when I was 11 years old and uh, we franchised about three and a half years ago and we have about 130 locations now uh, throughout the U.S. I'm actually at one. I'm starting one from scratch right now as part of a YouTube challenge, which has been quite disastrous slash interesting slash exhausting. So, um, you know, if you see beads of sweat, they are actually real because I literally walked in the door and started mowing grass. So uh, with that introduction, uh, since I'm fired up for this uh, fight club and about to do a KO on MC over there. Uh, I'll let you take it away there. Well, thanks for the introduction, Mike. Um, been in the lawn care and landscape industry. I'm not going to follow that up, but uh, last 25, almost 30 years, a little bit older than uh, Mike A over there. Um, but uh, started cutting my teeth, cutting grass, um, grew a multi seven figure business and uh, realized in my personal life, I needed to buy some time back. So we went in and bought um, an automation platform automated the entire business and ended up going from 70 to 80 hours a week to three to five hours a week to an absentee owner. And now our uh, purpose is really to go out and help business owners take their life back from their business through done for you, marketing automations, job costing. And now uh, our latest release called simple estimate where we have automated estimating at your client's fingertip on your website, 24 seven. I just want to make the point that the only thing automated and absentee about Mike Callahan is his hairline. And uh, it's contagious <laughs> with the this, name. Is there a mute button? Oh. Is this <laughs> what do you think I'm going to come do a regular podcast? Come on now. I'm getting like very protective of Mike C. I'm feeling bad. I'm telling you, look at this. It's contagious. It's with the name. 
But hey, he hides it pretty good. But you get closely personal with this guy, it's very, very thin. Wow. Come on now. You're only 28, brother. <laughs> Be nice. Hey, you got me an age, but the beauty comparison, there's no match. Wow. Wow. Good thing we have Hobie and Jake here. All right, we're going to start, start taking a poll. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. And thank you for the very uh, colorful introductions. Uh, that was fantastic. My name is Taylor Maroney. For those new listeners or returning listeners, I co-own a uh, pressure washing and paper sealing company with my husband in South Florida. And my background is in marketing. So that's what I'd love to talk to you all about. And super excited to have you guys on the show. And welcome back to Fight Club. Thank you. Good to be back. I'm, my name's... Oh, Amanda. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I finally got the order down. I got it. First time there wasn't going to be a long, awkward pause, but it was my moment. Next time, everyone, goals. Goals for next time. So, <laughs> I'm Amanda. I am the director of training at uh, Power Selling Pros, and I help people win more moments with more goals. Is it me now? Offer silence? No? Okay. We're sorting it out. Uh, my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also have Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting firm where you can outsource those nasty bookkeeping tasks and virtual CFO tasks to me and my team. And I have a window cleaning company and a bunch of other companies. And I'm excited to be here. Mike A, you've made quite the first impression. This is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> And Mike, it's great to I, see you. I, I just want to make a point that I was not ready for these introductions. And um, you you know, I, I, just let, I just let my fighting do, you know, speak for itself. So That's I'm ready good. for the gloves to come off, all these press conference introduction stuff. You know, let's get into the, the meat of here and uh, do some KO. <laughs> okay, very soon. Michelle Myers, uh, Pink Collars, and a proud co-owner of Wise Coatings location. My husband had his record-breaking month of the year last month, and I'm very happy for him. Um, and I do systems, and we're going to talk all about systems. Mike Callahan and I go way, way, way back. And I'm excited to see you both here today. Welcome to Fight Club. Awesome. Thank you. You're really putting a date on that. Mike, dude, you go way, way, way yeah. back. Way back. Like Some of us are right I was probably born. <laughs> Yep. Way back. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to steal you guys first, and we'll see how we can uh, keep this to about 10 minutes. We're going to try to keep it to about 10 minutes here, but I have a feeling it, it might go a little bit longer, which is okay. Um, one of the things that I want to talk to you about, Mike uh, C, MC over here, you kind of alluded to it in the beginning done for you marketing automations. Those are things that are super important right now in the small business world, because we're living in an era where there's so many different ways you can market, right? There's so many areas you can go. Different things might work better for different companies, but having certain things automated is extremely important. And right now it's summer for a lot of people. It is their busy season. It's a time of year where things pick up pretty heavily. So some of those non-automated tasks that are involved in marketing tend to fall off during this busy season time if we don't already have that system in place. So I want you guys to just kind of talk to, a, to us a little bit about that. What does done for you automation and marketing look like? What is really kind of the baseline structure for someone to get started with that side of marketing? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the way we always look at it, at least in my opinion, is we, we look at it from lead acquisition through an estimate, through follow-up, through like welcome and acclimation to get them to actually know, like, and trust your business and what to expect. And then eventually we look at upsells. Um, so we want to take a client that has one or two services and continue to upsell the services to double, or ticket, uh, double that ticket item or the client lifetime value. So um, when we go in, traditionally, we'll go into a CRM uh, like Mike Andy's co-pilot, and we've got a website lead capture. So they come off the website, they're automatically entered into the software. The automation knows what services they're interested in. So we can have an automated personal conversation around the specific services they're interested in. And then uh, when we go out, traditionally, especially in the busy season now, uh, we go out and get that quote or bid. Uh, a lot of times we forget to follow up on that. It's hard enough just to get that bid out. So what we do is we focus on a process called omni-channel marketing. And really all that is is a fancy word to say we're going to follow up over multiple communication channels. So that's going to be through automated email, automated text, and uh, either a ringless voicemail bomb or actually a call script. Um, and we're going to follow up over 20 days over these multiple communication points. Um, and the interesting thing is when you do that, uh, we don't want it to look like it's just like an automated call or an automated text message. You want it personal. So one of the biggest ones that we see two days after every estimate is an email that looks like it's sent from the estimator's iPhone. Um, and that closes at about 80% of all the sales that you're going to see on that one communication. So the biggest thing when we say done for you automations, it's not just that we're doing it for you, but we're taking all the best practices of the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and I think when people first get into automations, the, um, the hesitation, or I guess the mistake would be is we, we're, we're putting our logos on there. We're trying to brand this thing up, but really with scrolling through Facebook and social media and Instagram, our eyes now know what an ad looks like. And now people are starting to see these emails and they're like, it looks like an ad and they're just disengaging. So we're making it personal, but automated to where they're at in the life cycle. Once they become a client, we're going to welcome and acclimate them in the same way, following up one time for one time service or 30, 60, 90 days for a reoccurring service. Um, and then finally, once we get through that welcome and acclimation uh, phase, we want to be able to go in and upsell these services. Really, in the home service industry is probably the most important thing that we see because once we get the client, a lot of times we just forget about them. Um, but that there's a, there's a lot of money and value there. So let's say we're going into uh, fire ant season right now in the lawn care season, we'd go out over three communications and educate them around that and have the ability for them to opt in to do an estimate and potentially click in and pull up uh, something like we got with simple estimate to actually be able to color in the service area or have AI measure the area automatically and give them live quotes 24-7. But what we're doing is taking a service while we're already there for fertilizing and upselling another service that we can add on for two to three more minutes and double or triple that ticket value. Maybe we add mosquito control as an X upsell. Um, but that's the idea is that most clients, when they do this process now, are getting 60 to 80 estimate requests per upsell that was just literally low-hanging fruit that they're never addressing. And it was all done through education at the, you know, the, the simplest aspect of when we're getting into the upsell section, it's about education. And, but one thing I want to kind of circle back to is the, the subject, like you were saying with coming from an iPhone, from an email, we actually had this happen to us. We're working on our next admin event and we accidentally sent an email out that just said subject in the subject line. Like it was a complete accident, wasn't intentional. Um, but we actually got a ton of engagement off of it. Like we were completely shocked. It was not, again, not intentional at all. We at least put something in the subject line. Um, but those things are like you said, Mike, is what people are looking for more like genuine interaction, not sales pitches that we're seeing everywhere across social platforms, across even text messages can come across as a spammy type sales pitch if you're doing it wrong. 
So it's really kind of going back to the heart of connecting with people and communicating as humans through automation, in my opinion. That's what we need to really focus on in this season of life. Yep. Um, but let's see. It looks like David had a question. How to email through SA where it looks hand typed sent from an iPhone. So kind of can you kind of explain that a little bit deeper then? Yeah. So literally it, it's uh, an email and we did this crazy enough. It's like 12, 13 years ago. So automations aren't new. This is something that like has been there. But in the service industry, I don't want to say it's bleeding edge, but this is cutting edge. Like folks are not doing this. Um, but think about how would you send if you were physically typing out that follow up? Hey, it's Mike from Callahan's Lawn Care. Just found to see if you if you got our estimate. If you'd like a spot on our season, this uh, spot on our list this season, let us know. Uh, spots are filling up, and just literally Mike. And at the bottom, we go down two spots, and literally, as you would see from an email sent from your iPhone, you actually recreate that sent from iPhone. Um, and my wife's in education. She'll probably kill me doing this, but I, I actually, well, if you've seen my emails, there's some typos in there. Um, so I actually included typos in there. Believe it or not, when we AB split test that, the typos converted better because it actually looked like I physically typed the email. Um, so we're not trying to be disingenuous, but my thought is we're putting the time in. Let's make it feel personal. Let's make it personal. Absolutely. That, that personal touch is so important. I'm sorry. I think I interrupted someone and I wasn't looking at the screen. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Um, but as far as, so I kind of want to talk to, um, Mike A here about the co-pilot side of things. Cause you guys do have, um, in looking at the website, you guys do have a good grasp on marketing and analytics. Um, so can we talk a little bit about the inside of the software itself? Kind of what does that look like for co-pilot and how can users kind of expect to see that marketing and analytic data coming in? Yeah. Like, um, for, for anyone that is, you know, just listening for the first time or hearing about Copilot for the first time, it's a CRM we just started literally like four months ago. Um, in terms of marketing analytics, I'd give it like a four out of 10 right now. It's not great. Um, okay, we are working very hard to make it good. Um, and so I've, I've kind of been pretty clear, like, hey, you got to give me to the end of 2023 to make it something worth talking about. Um, so there's obviously a lot of early adopters, and I really appreciate them for hopping in because it's still very much in my mind a work in progress, and we have a lot of work to do. My goodness. Um, but... Uh, in terms of the marketing and the automation side of things, I really think it has to, you know, in the service industry, we're very much behind when it comes to using AI and machine learning and actually making these tools useful for the home service industry. If you look at other software uh, like Salesforce uh, and, and a host of other CRMs that are, are built for enterprise level Fortune 500 companies, they are leagues ahead of us in a lot of these different areas in terms of automation, using AI. Uh, taking the data that's inputted and then giving meaningful information and feedback to the owners. Like there's not, there should not be a reason why an owner needs to figure out who they need to raise prices on. The, the software knows who is spending, where, where we're spending too much time on certain uh, customers. The, the, the software knows which services are making the most money, which, which services you're most profitable on. And so in my mind, it's one thing to be automated when it comes to email and t text messages which is, has been, you know, like Mike said, 10, 15 years, this has been something that's been in the works and, and been very useful. But I think the next frontier, how do we take these, this, this technology to, to the next level is how do we give this information to an owner in a, in a meaningful way? Like you need to hire someone in three weeks based upon the projection of your budgeted hours. You need to raise prices on these four customers because you're losing money on them. These are the services you should buckle down on because where 85% of your profits are coming from. And so that's what we're trying to build with Copilot. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm passionate about. That's amazing. Well, I think you kind of teed me up perfect to pass me off to Megan, cause we are talking about a lot of numbers in that last little bit there. 
Um, so thank you guys so much for spending some time in the marketing section with me. And Megan, you can take on the next round here. Hopefully they stay oh, calm. <laughs> that was much better. I'm impressed. You guys did good. Although Mike A is totally harassing the chat, which is amazing. You keep going. I just want to say, just want to say, when it comes to punches, you can get all the punches in on a round, but I will still win the round if I get to do a knockout punch at the end. <laughs> and Mike Hound's still getting me. off of the mat. I just want to make that clear. So as I go back to the corner, I'm getting padded up over here. I feel like I were around uh, one round one. Thank you, Mike. Pause, pause, pause. Before you finish, I'm going to say I'm going to start a drinking game for how many times Mike A can say KO or knockout because I feel like we're up to like five. And I think I should. Hey, I just understand. I just understand where this. I just understand where this fight is going, and, and I like to foreshadow things. And you so. like to win. You like to win. I can tell. It's very good. Okay, so we are supposed to talk about money. Mike Callanahan. I distinctly remember the first time we met and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, shockingly in a bar over a laptop, over a spreadsheet, talking about labor rates and pricing. Wait, it's not even my turn, is it, Tay? It, it is now. Let's no, go. It is now. Let's <laughs> go with it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Megan um, just wanted to go second all day. We're going to let you have that spot, Megan. I love you, Megan. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Sorry. In the bar, right? Talking about pricing. And we're talking about like the automation around pricing. I'm dying. Um, but then also, Mike Callan, you were the first chat bot I ever saw. I, I distinctly remember it was a Debbie Sard. No, that's not true. Oops. It was a Liz Trotter uh, demo and we were both pitching our product and you had this amazing chatbot that was integrated with Facebook Messenger. Um, and then Mike A, you just started talking about AI reading our data set, which is something I'm personally passionate about because I'm a bookkeeper. So I've been building out these integrations with QuickBooks Online and Google Sheets. And then I had built out an integration with ChatGPT and Google Sheets. And I'm trying to figure out how to train the model to read people's financials, to give them financial advice. I'm very excited about it. So I think I'm going to let you guys hash it out with, oh, also rehashing. So there's so much money in follow-up. Uh, and I feel like, Mike, you've been doing the follow-up game since I met you like in San Diego, maybe five years ago. That was Simple Gross, like first product was building out custom follow-up sequences. So we could talk about the money in follow-up. Which one do you guys want to go through? And Really, uh, Mike A just keeps changing his name, which is amazing. Uh, okay, I'm gonna let you guys duke it out, um, and then I'm gonna choose the topic. Go. Well, we'll let uh, the, the young guy go first here. Uh, obviously, I'm pulling the better looks here, so we'll see what happens. Mike, you're off. Let's see what, what do you got. What do you got for us here, bro? It was literally directed a question at you about follow up. Are you balking at your question? Come on, dude. No, no, no. I gave you those, four options. We're trying those... to choose which one we're gonna talk about. So do you want to oh, talk okay. about AI and how it can tell us what we're doing wrong, how it can be like, it can coach us, right? AI is actually building our yeah. models. Or do you want to talk about the money that's in follow-up? Because we all know the, the money's in the follow-up. Oh, I have short-term memory loss. Let's just go over the first one. No, okay. no, you got to so choose, choose one. Yeah, I know. I can't remember four things. I, I have one objective and a KO. There, get take a, a shot for that. Pin. Okay. Get a pen. So, so, so the first one. AI. Okay. We're going AI. Okay. We're going AI. Let's do AI. We're gonna All stay right. there. All right. Money AI. AI. So I think I think the thing that's interesting is um, what we found as we started to get in the game um, is giving meaningful outputs to an owner require meaningful and accurate inputs, and that's the challenging part. Because, for example, when you take a, a QuickBooks PNL and you start giving meaningful advice to an owner, that was one hundred percent dependent on the inputs that they have given you. And so if those are not accurate, we have a problem. 
And that's in part why I feel like we have to build a CRM in order to give this meaningful information to an owner, because we need the clock in and clock out times of every job. We need the invoice information. We need the estimate information. We need the close ratio information to actually be able to give them the meaningful information. I can't just take their P&L and give them advice in their business necessarily, because for all I know, they're miscategorizing income. For all I know, they're miscategorizing their wages. And so, um, the challenging part right now is that uh, in order to give good, solid advice to an owner based upon the AI, it, the inputs have to be clean. And so um, that, that would be what I would say is the, the challenging part uh, to what is right now something that we were really looking at is like giving that information. And something like you make to your point about QuickBooks is uh, that's something we are looking at heavily into next year is like, how do we take their actual P&L and say like, Here's you need to cut costs in this area and all that. It's again, it comes down to like, did they did they expense things correctly? Did they actually put them in the right spots in terms of categorization? And so that's a, a challenging thing that we're kind of coming across right now in terms of giving the meaningful, um, yeah. you know, recommendations to owners. I'm not going to sell, but I am going to say I know a really good bookkeeper who's really good at that. So like, if anybody's listening and they need help with that, I'm just going to say. Her name's Megan Like. She's sitting right here. And hey, she's really I'm good. I'm just that. like handing um, this you the softball. I was literally yeah. teeing it up. You, I was like, I had to take it. I go. had to take it. He's trying, it's working. My Callahan, he's trying to butter me up. This is not good. Okay. Meg, your hair's on point today, too. I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> me? Okay, yeah. Mike, come on now. Come oh on, my dude. Gosh. Do it a little more subtly. Going. Come don't on, bro. Stop. Don't stop. No, I'm kidding. So, okay, I agree. Um, in my ideal world, the conversation starts like this Where are you today? And we can all hash this out. Like, what are the input points I'm looking for? I'm looking for your average ticket, looking for your current conversion rate. I'm looking for your lead slippage. And I'm working at looking at your growth rate and your target net profitability. If you can tell me those five things, I can help you pretty quickly. So then I go to goal setting. Uh, and I think that's where, like, where are you going? What's the goal here? And you guys both seem like serial entrepreneurs. So sometimes that gets a little messy because we're like, personal goal? business goal, which business, how do we do that? Right. You get to the business goal and then it's not sexy, but we go to the budget, right? From the budget. That's what drives the bus. Like that's how we know, are we headed in the right direction? And you can start watching those inputs and how they tweak. So Mike Callahan, your turn. I'd love to hear your thoughts because AI, like that was, that was a simple form of AI back then with that Facebook messenger chatbot, wasn't it? Yeah, totally was. And it, it, be honest, the technology is is significantly better. The uh, the product we just relaunched, uh, we went out and bought a product called Estimate Cart. Uh, we spent about six, seven months of development on it and relaunched that as uh, Simple Estimate. Um, and obviously, some of the AI is there, but some of the speed um, that we're seeing on some of the totally AI-driven estimating uh, calculators right now is we had one guy that went in with 120 estimates and only 20 of them actually got to the actual pricing page because the AI wasn't necessarily seasoned or ready to go to that point. Um, so we're, we're taking kind of a mixed approach to that to let the AI actually learn. Um, I have a really if, good idea. Can I pause you? You, you can. Her name is Amanda Powell and she has a core principles. And in my dream world, my chat bot is trained on those core principles and you can beta test it and it will take them all the way to a higher conversion rate. So I'm going to let you save that part because you're going to talk to me the next. We're going to have to talk. And, yeah. And I feel like I've already pitched it to our CEO. I'm like, no, we're going to train AI on your principles and we're going to teach it how to close more deals. Like you can actually do that. Like based on, yeah. Anyway, we're going to pause. Yeah, it. It's, it's interesting <laughs> technology coming around, but I, I like, I, I think if I can dive in a little bit and almost like a different take 
Um, so, so one of the things we look at when we're looking at a business is step one is, is really managing your time, being able to have basically four hours a week to work on your business, not in as Michael Gerber said, but really the second place, if we're looking at a business, whether it's seven figures or beyond or before then it is the core principle of financials, getting your financial house in order. And it's really two phases that I like to look at. And the first side is obviously the business. The second, second is the personal and, and are they commingled? Is it clean? Is your personal like 50, $150,000 yacht getting sucked out of the business as expected? Spence and it's messing up your chart of account. Um, so once we kind of find, find those two different areas and, and see how they should legally play in your chart of accounts, um, the thing that I guess surprises me the most every year, and we've been doing this for, I don't know, eight, nine years now with simple growth is that uh, a lot of service business owners just don't understand the foundations of their numbers. They don't really understand what they need to charge per man hour per division. Um, and I guess the really the scariest one is they don't understand uh, what their break even is. So what it costs you per hour break even before you make a profit. Um, so a lot of people kind of rushed ahead and start pricing all these things, but they just don't have a core understanding. Um, and it all comes down to like Mike said and Megan said, it's really good bookkeeping, having a straight chart of accounts. Um, but no matter the CRM you're using, we really need to be able to track the production hours in the field, um, whether it's a time clock or clocking in and out of the jobs. Uh, I'd like the idea of being able to clock in and out of mobile so I can do my direct and indirect um, times based on the jobs, but be able to go in and have a non-emotional number. So companies that we saw. I'm going break... to pause you because you're dropping a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is labor efficiency. What I'm hearing you say is. When we go to bid a job or when AI bids a job for us, somebody has made an assumption, ugh, somebody has made an assumption somewhere that said, I think it's going to take this long. And I think that I should charge this much for that long, right? At some point, if you think, and I get, I get in fights all the time, like HVAC guys and garage door guys, and I know you're listening, but if you think about it, when you first went to build your first price book, you went and looked at a house and you said, I think it's going to take this long. And then what Mike has built a career around and what we know is that what if you charge too little for your time? Then the entire model screwed up, right? Like the time estimate is usually pretty close, but the, the dollar amount ends up being wrong. So then here's the next thing. We're too lazy as entrepreneurs. Like if you think about how many lawns you mow a day or how many windows you clean a day, we're too lazy as entrepreneurs to ever go back and be like, I sold it for this many hours. How long did it actually take a C-level technician to complete? Mm-hmm. We don't and you nailed it, Meg. So like if you're repairing you're, garage yeah. doors, you're doing soft wash, it doesn't matter. We could be selling men's suits literally with like literally doing custom alterations. It doesn't matter. But like literally, so I, I like to look at it as three different ways of estimating. We first get into the business. We look at it and go, we go up to this job and we're like, well, what would the market in my market charge? And it, we, that's market-based pricing. We're, we're, we don't want to go there. So the next step is you nailed it. I call it guesstimating. So we look at it and we're like, if I'm mm -hmm. charging 80 bucks an hour, which I probably have no foundational reason why I'm charging 80 uh, but if it's going to take one hour for one person to do it, I should be one hour times 80 bucks is 80 bucks. And then the next part is production rate based estimating. Uh, but the scary part is a lot of businesses will go from market based guesstimating to that production rate based estimate. But there's no foundational reason of, of the numbers of what do I really need to charge on my actual based on my business, and my overhead recovery. And the biggest yeah, thing what is my miss, what is my break even point? And right. if you and, can't and they, answer that, then you, you're still guesstimating, right? Like you, and, you and don't you can, actually know how much to charge. Yeah. And you can speak to this, Megan. So the other thing that really is scary working with hundred business a year, hundreds of businesses a year is their profit and loss actually looks halfway decent, but they don't realize their debt service is hanging out their long-term payables 
on their balance sheet. Um, so that's why hooking up with somebody like Megan, like it gets you the full picture of what's actually going on. Well, the difference um, and then between you- cash flow and profitability, you know, we say that uh, most business owners are silently going bankrupt and they don't even know it. And and that's that's the magic there. Okay, we're going to go back to my gay ferment though. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say your top three KPIs. So you're starting a brand new business right now. You're doing it on the YouTube, which I'm hoping you're going to tell us the YouTube channel so we can give you some love or maybe a little bit of trolling. I, I think that that might be fun over a glass of wine later tonight. Um, so I want, you to, I want you to tell us uh, what your top three KPIs like. What's going to take this business to seven figures fast, if that's the goal? Yeah, like in, in my opinion, um, for, for most owners, um, th- they don't know their budget. They don't have any idea what the break-even point is. And um, I don't think even telling them to do that a lot of times is helpful. Right. Mostly because they are incapable of doing so. Uh, they don't have the budget to get a good bookkeeper. Um, and I think that having very, very simple KPIs for a lot of them is most important. Okay. And I think a a PL looking backwards gives them the information they need in terms of pricing. And then with a couple other KPIs, they should be able to tweak that somewhat. And I think that's a beginning... agree. I'm going to pause you for just a second. So what I heard Mike A say was we, you know, we talk a lot about bookkeeping. We talk a lot about PLs, but if that scares you, if you're like throwing up a little bit or turning green, what <laughs> I'm hearing Mike A say is your CRM probably has the top three numbers that you need to drive better decisions in your business. So screw the PL for a minute. Let's focus on those KPIs. Let's right side it just a little bit. And then we can go back and fix profitability. And yeah, you're going to get a sound bite of me. Megan said, screw the PL. But I'm just saying, if like <laughs> that is scary or if that's a hurdle that you can't overcome, Mike's going to give you his favorite three. So go, Mike A. And then we got to go to Mike C. And then we got to go to Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I think um, close ratio is extremely important. That's the number of estimates accepted divided by the number of estimates sent out. Okay, um, nice. That one number alone can determine a lot of other KPIs in, in which okay. direction the business should go. The next one is just basically how much money do you take out of the business and put in your pocket, like take home pay and then growth rate. So month over month, year over year, what's your growth rate looking like? The reason those three are so important is because it can tell me a lot about whether or not the business should slow down growth and increase profitability by reducing close ratio, by increasing Love prices, Love right? Okay. So those would be the three. Go. For admin bootcamp adventure where we teach your <laughs> admin how to increase their conversion rate and in- to reduce their lead slippage rate. And it's a really magical thing and increase the average ticket. Okay, Mike C, go. What's your top three KPIs? Thanks, uh, Mike. Yep, I'm going close ratio. I'm going churn rate. And I'm looking on a probably a rolling 12 year payroll for indirect and direct payroll as a percentage. Mm. Okay, I give I forfeit round two to Mike Callahan for getting churn. Wait, hey, you've not corrected him yet. We call them bouts in this. <laughs> Just saying, I love it. Indirect and direct payroll. That was really good. Um, my my so, hairline is recovering. Thank God. Okay. So, um, and just to clarify, churn rate means what percentage of clients are you losing? So there's a lot of money and keeping our clients happy. It's cheaper than going to find new clients. So Mike said churn rate, in case you've never heard that word before. And then indirect and direct payroll as a percentage means you should have a target. Like how much we're in the business of selling time, but we're not selling our time. We're selling other people's times. You need to make sure that that's in alignment with your pricing. So that's Mike's metric for checking that. We're going to pass you to Amanda. Thank you all. Uh, Mike A., I was impressed with your manners. Thank you. That was great. 
I just like it said winner of round one. So now do we get to change that to loser of round two? Like, hey, you obviously are not reading the comments. You obviously are not up to date on the comments. It says round two goes to Mike C. I'm playing very evenly here. Fair enough. I can't resist. Uh, bad. So, you ladies so had I no idea what you're getting into with this guy, did you? Who invited these guys? Who was that? Michelle. That was me. <laughs> that was me. We'll talk after, Michelle. So I'm going to be put in the penalty box. I can feel it. <laughs> no, it's so fun. We're going to take oh. away her invite card. <laughs> All right. So you were speaking my language, Mike. See, when you were talking follow-ups like that, oh, so much money left on a table that owners don't even realize and one of the things I'll run into a lot uh, when you're sharing your story I thought of a training I went to where a CSR pulled me over to her desk and said this is our follow-up schedule is this too much mm. and I think that's a really big fear out there like we got we did all this work to get our clients we don't want to bug them too much we don't want to be too pushy so where do you find that balance or like what do you see no great question so Yes, I think there is a too much, but I think the first thing we need to address is people feel uncomfortable, like they shouldn't follow up, but when they've requested an estimate, you've done the work to give them a quote or bid, they have given you permission to follow up. Um, so that's the first thing. It's a mindset shift. Um, the way we do it in our automated follow-up, we call it 20 days to close. You've been around the ecosystem. You've probably heard about it, uh, but 20 days to close, like I said, is going to go across email, text, phone calls, or something called a ringless voicemail bomb. It hits that cell phone on file. Uh, looks like a missed call, and it's a pre-recorded message, unlike a robocall, but it's like, hey, it's Mike from Callahan, so sorry I missed you. Just found out that estimate I dropped off two days ago or sent two days ago. Um, so, yes, you could probably do it too much over one communication channel, um, but statistically, if you're not following up at least five or more times, you're statistically losing out 80% of the sales in your local market. So at a bare minimum, we got to be showing up five times. I'm suggesting at least six over those communication channels. So if we have omni-channel marketing, email, text, and phone calls or English voicemail bombs, we should be doing at least one of those twice, at least six times. Um, interesting thing is we found statistically now with thousands and thousands of email follow-ups, the stats we've been seeing is you're gonna see a uh, big jump. The biggest jump is between three, uh, two to three days for your estimates, another one between seven and 10 days. And the interesting thing is there's actually another one between 18 and 20 days. Mm -hmm. And what that happens is they've actually gone out and hired your competitor they haven't given you the courtesy to let you know they're not accepting the bid. And you're just following up very politely, not pushy. Um, but you'll notice that email I talked about, we talked about a call to action to sign up. And we talked about scarcity and urgency. And that last bit is, hey, uh, do we have permission to close out your estimate? And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. This other client, the contractors dropped the ball. We should probably hire this person. Um, and we haven't even told them we're not going with them. And they've been just politely following up and, and been there and, and positively, it looks personal. So I would say at least six times, I mean, five or more times is going to cover statistically 80% of the sales in your market. I hope everyone wrote that down. That was like gold uh, <laughs> for everyone listening there. That's wonderful. So do you find one form of communication is more effective than others? Is it generational? Do you look at that? It's, it's going to depend, depend on the person. But let's face it. People don't trust themselves to hire a contractor. They don't trust a contractor. Um, so we want to meet them where they want to communicate. So if they came in through Facebook Messenger, if they came in through text, they came in through email, they came in through phone call, that's probably going to be their preferred channel. Now, 
with some really in-depth segmentation, you probably could segment that. I don't know if the juice is really worth the squeeze, but at that point, as long as we're hitting the different channels, you're going to communicate eventually within the first few days on the channel that they prefer. Um, but I would say text messaging right now is the ultimate winner unless they did come in on social through a bot. Um, and there is some new laws and regulations around text messaging right now um, with your automations. So I won't get into it, but you do need to go if you're using Twilio as an email or a text message provider to register your actual automations and show, show them that you have the ability to opt out of those um, and you're using best practice. Otherwise, within the next month or so of this airing, your text messages will start to get blocked and they will actually become completely useless. They will not get to go where they're going. Make friends with Amber mm -hmm. Jones. I'm just going to say that. Amber Jones will we'll tag her in the comments. She will help fix you. Very nice. Well, I, I thank you for that. It's just good to see. I think that's a big fear out there. Like, and that mindset shift that has to happen of going, we're just taking care of our customers. We aren't bugging them. We got permission to move forward. We're taking care. And there's so much money left on a table when you're not following up. So I think it's huge. That's great. Good. Um, all right. Mike A, you're up. N name is normal. I did see 20 day hairline recession before you deleted that. So I did see that. I'm like having fun writing these names down. <laughs> what grade did you teach, Amanda? Remind us. Are you going backwards? <laughs> uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. We'll see how this ends. <sighs> like we've identified our class clown, everyone. We know. We <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <Right. laughs> so this is awesome. So tell me, tell me a little bit, bit more, Mikey, because I think there's so much value of knowing where your money is best being spent and what's converting the best and how that translates to sales. So how are people able to take that information to then make a bigger impact on, on their business there? Like, what are you seeing? Yeah, like the follow-up is super important because um, honestly, a lot of people will uh, say they can't grow their business and they say certain marketing channels don't work. But if you don't, not following up, like follow up has a direct correlation with close ratio. And so if someone's close ratio is really low, the first thing I'm going to look at is their follow up, not their pricing or anything like that. It's like, are you following up? Because if you can follow up with someone and increase your, like effectively, if you can double your close ratio, let's say you're closing 25% of your estimates and you're able to have an effective strategy for following up, whether it be automated or phone calls or whatever, I don't care, you got to throw something in the mail. Um, or knock on their door and be like, threaten them with, you know, a yes or a no button. Like whatever you got to do to follow up with them, if you can get that from 25% to 50%, that same $100 spent on a, on getting a lead, now this became 50. So if you can double your close ratio, you can effectively half your customer acquisition cost. And if you ask everyone out there, like, what's more appealing? Can you get twice as many customers for the same marketing dollars? Or can you simply take the same leads and close twice as many by sending a, a text, a phone call, whatever it might be, an email, et cetera, um, they had the exact same effect. And for the vast majority of people, they can't scale a business because their customer acquisition cost is too high or their churn is too high. But like, let's just focus on customer acquisition cost because that's like the fun, sexy thing to talk about. But if you just fix your close ratio, you do the exact same thing as effectively making your marketing twice as good. And so what we all do is spend a bunch of gobs of money hiring marketing agencies and doing all these fancy things um, and, you know, creating your website, which is all important, but we focus on that so much because it's the fun, shiny front end of the business. When in reality, if once they became a lead and you sent a quote, if you actually just followed up and just improved your close ratio by doing so, you would do the exact same as effectively having your customer acquisition cost. 
Okay. All these people wow. dropping knowledge today. So there's there's the sound bite right there. You have a low close ratio. You look at your follow-up first. Mm -hmm. That's so key. So um, I find I have asked when I'm in trainings, like CSR teams and people in the office of going like, hey, what's your, what are you spending for your cost per lead? And it is shocking to me how many people don't know that, like just generally in, in the company. And I think there's so much value of having that mind sh shift and going, okay, well, here's why follow-up is valuable. You need to be sharing that with your team out there. Um, that should be general knowledge to everyone you're, you're working with. I always encourage owners, like, don't keep that information to yourself. Your team needs to know what's at stake. Yeah. Yeah, it should be public and it should be tracked. So what would measure to happen. So uh, we call it a big three methodology, but basically it's publicly ranked in a, almost a stoplight green, yellow, and red. And my sales team or my SDR that's going out and making outbound calls, he knows that he needs to make 80 to hundred calls a day, two book calls, and he has to have a show up ratio of at least 83%. Those are very clearly defined metrics that we can talk about every week. And now we know for winning or losing and how to actually adjust. And the, the whole thing is creating clarity and accountability and buy-in. Yes. Clarity, accountability, buy-in. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's it. They, they need to know. And if you have those metrics, what gets measured gets taken care of. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just hoping, hoping for the best. So Yeah. And, and I think Michael can attest to this too. I think the scariest thing is when, like in the early days, at least like, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a $2 million company this year. And I'm at like 1.2. Well, how are you going to get there? And like, how is it tracked? And then you get to November, December, like, yeah, didn't hit that 2 million mark this year. Well, well that's the reason. But if we set a mission um, for the next three years and we break that down into, into yearly and quarterly objectives um, with some SMART goals, we can actually obtain that goal. And everybody now knows where the mission is, where that big, hairy, audacious goal, as Jim Collins says in his book. And, and we know and we're all rowing in the same way and we're focused on that. And that, that's where that big three methodology is. If you only had three levers to pull, what are the three things you have to pull to hit that goal? And it really, um, if you tie it in with a purpose and core values, now everybody is really aligned to that. And we can hire, train and fire to those core values as well. And it just kind of gets everything going in the right direction. Um, that's been the secret sauce to now my third business I've started. <laughs> I love that. Well, I could talk to you all all day and I'm totally listening to this repeat so I can like get the transcribed of just so much good information packed in and all of this. I want to make sure Michelle has time here. So Michelle, I'm going to hand it over to you. Hey guys, um, I'm going to talk about systems, but I love that we are on KPIs and tracking and all of this good data. So tell me, Mike Andes, try to come back for about three and tell me what the cockpit in your service or in your uh, co-pilot software looks like. Because a lot of people struggle with a dashboard. I know we get asked all the time from our clients, can you create a dashboard for us? How can we get a dashboard? So it looks like you've kind of solved that problem with your software. Um, tell us a little bit about what it works like and what it looks like and, and what it's actually grabbing from the CRM. I would not say we have solved the problem. I would say we are attempting to solve the problem. It's not, it's not where I want it to be yet. Um, and, and so, yeah, my objective is to essentially what we are using in the back end for AI to give that in a dashboard form in a, so I look at KPIs as like the raw ingredients. Got it. Uh, I need to use my software to make that recipe and then give it to an owner in a palatable form and something they understand. Cause they don't understand your close ratio went down 4.6%. 
and yeah. your you know profitability on this specific service went up like they don't understand that what they understand is you need to cut the service these are the customers you need to raise prices on you yeah. need to hire someone in three weeks you should start interviewing right now that's what they understand the vast majority of them especially if they're doing under a million dollars in revenue they need actionable things based upon the data they don't need the data yeah. and so um i i i, I get uh like with my con, I'm very careful in the fact that like I can talk about numbers and KPIs all day long, but the vast majority of owners in home, in home service industries, we, we didn't have the best college or like degrees in business. We don't understand uh, software and all the stuff. We don't even understand graphs. We can't, fit, can't do Excel if our life depended on it. Yeah. And so if, if that's the type of person I'm talking to, I need to give them actionable things based upon that data to, and tell them what to do in their business. And so that's the objective of the KPI dashboard. In my opinion, is it's giving them the raw background data that we're using. But then my more important objective by the end of this year is to be able to tell them exactly what to do because that's the language we all speak as business owners. Yeah. It is a second language of numbers and KPIs that most people take a long time to develop. And so we're kind of get, we're hoping to give both of it to them. But I, I truly believe that it's that's not the main thing that most owners, especially beginner intermediates, can understand. But our hope is that we kind of give the the, the secret sauce, the ingredients behind the AI, AI using the dashboard, showing a lot of these KPIs that you talked about. And and so Mike Callahan, Mike C, is that also in the cockpit? Is it pulling those close rates? Is it pulling those? You know all those metrics from your social media or from your marketing is it pulling the acquisition cost into the cockpit is that something that you're pulling or is it different data oh uh, so the cockpit mike you may want to help me out here but the cockpit's a pre can basically predefined right now um okay. but if i'm looking at it um whether it's in copilot or any other crm um there, there's certain things that that i'm looking at um they're a foundational. Mike said like five years of college, I didn't learn a thing about my Excel sheets or my break even or any of that. It, it was a school of hard knocks and going out and finding uh, the professionals. But one of the things like we build out um, on service autopilot with some of the pre-built uh, reports that we build for simple growth um, and same idea that I think Mike is pre-building into the cockpit is we, we can go in and, and start to see a high level. Like, so we get into the weeds with the minutia of each particular job um, we get lost, but, but basically we could go in and say, my hourly goal is $80 per man hour. Mm -hmm. And any, any job that's below that threshold on average, this is what you need to raise the prices on these. Cause the biggest thing that scares me a lot of times you see in the Facebook groups, Hey, I'm raising my prices on my maintenance services by 10% across the board. Mm -hmm. Well, if your goal is $80 per man hour and you're making 120, why would you ever raise the price? What you're really doing is telling your clients that your most profitable clients to go shop uh, for new services. Really, we want to be like Jack Welch with GE. We raise the bottom 10% or in this case, we're raising just the losers back up to that financial threshold. So at least in the early days, that was really overwhelming to me. So I think the goal of the cockpit or some of the reports that we're building out for our clients before that's ready is to give them that high level data and say, okay, here's the action that needs to be taken on these particular people. Don't get lost in a thousand or 1200 jobs and, and try to sort through that data. Um, yeah. And we build those reports and, and it lets you know when you have potentially bad data. If they're not clocked in and out, you don't have a budget of time or a price. The mm -hmm. system alerts you to go in on a daily and weekly basis to update the data. And it's not always good data in, uh, good data out, or bad data in, bad out. What we see in a lot of CRMs is no data in, no data out. Now that's even <laughs> scarier. Um, so on a high level, um, at least with some of the reports we build, very similar to the cockpit, um, 
it, it alerts them when they have that missing or potentially bad data. And that's clarity for them to be able to work, make those decisions on the actions, the report, where the cockpit's telling them to make. I love it. And one last question. Um, a lot of our listeners might have a recurring service model, right? Where they're putting people on a maintenance program or a membership. It, how does Copilot fit in the sort of kaleidoscope of CRMs out there um, to choose from? Is it really strong in that recurring uh, process? I'm assuming so, but tell us how that recurring revenue model kind of fits if somebody wants to look at this software as a solution. Um, I would honestly recommend no one get Copilot right now. Um, give me a few okay. more months to <laughs> uh, figure things out. It's not ready for the vast majority of larger companies. Okay. Um, Scarcity a lot of, like, strategy. I see what you're doing there. Oh, I see it. You, you want it. I warned you. I warned you. Yeah, you want it, but you can't have it. Not yeah, so, yet. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would not recommend Copilot for the vast majority of seven-figure businesses right now. Okay. Um, my goal is is by the end of this year to make it uh, where it's a clear winner in terms of trajectory of, of innovation. But um, we have a lot of a lot of work to do, and so um, I'm using it here for. Uh, for the first time, like myself building this business. And I'm very aware of everything we need to still get done. Um, I would say in terms the of the- price just went up listeners, by the yeah, way. Yeah. The price just went up, yeah. Oh, so um, yeah, in terms of, <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of options, right? You got Jobber, you got Service Autopilot, you got LMN if you're in landscaping and lawn care. Um, you got Yardbook if you're in lawn care. There's just a huge amount of options, right? And so when someone's deciding on a CRM, in my opinion, um, what you want to look for is two things. And, and the weight at which you, you value these is going to be different based on your size. And so you, what, what you really want to look at is where's this software going to be in five years, right? And that's where I've gotten concerned with previous um, vendors that we have used at Augusta. We have 130 locations. I have 50 people in the office answering calls and using these theorems every single day. So if something happens or there's a workaround, it can cost me tens of thousands of dollars a week. Uh, if there's not an efficient way of doing a specific thing is we're taking thousands of calls a day and doing thousands of estimates a day. Um, and so I would be looking at where is this, the, the rate of innovation going and where's the leadership of the company at. And so the only strong point of Copa right now is the fact that the people at the front of it are in the weeds every single day in the service industry. And we know what the KPIs are and we know what the owners need. And there's no one else of the CRMs that I just mentioned that are innovating fast enough to stay up with the likes of Salesforce, HubSpot, et cetera, that are crushing it when it comes to new new technology. And so we have a long ways to catch up. I would by no means try to sell anyone on Copilot right now, um, simply due to the fact that we are not where I want to be at. I love that answer. I love it. And typically we would pass you off to Martha, but she is spending some time with her awesome family this week. And so I think in the interest of time, I mean, I'm looking at the clock, should we just start homework? What do you say, Tay, is that okay? I think so. Beautiful. Wait, Thanks. where are we on our like our scores for the rounds and the bouts? And oh, the I don't know, Mike. <coughs> you know well, uh, we're gonna leave yeah. that to the audience, actually. Uh, so in the comments, <laughs> if you're listening, you all get to decide because <laughs> round one went to me, round two went to my calendar. I'm gonna say round three was a draw. Round four has to be decided decided by the audience. Oh, I like um, it. <laughs> yeah. So. So we're tied, is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing tied. I'm yeah, we're going to let the audience. We're very democ the, 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 the democracy reigns supreme here at the, in the Fight Club. So, <laughs> oh, can't wait for the sound bites. To our uh, video editor, Kelvin, and see if we can get this for you, Cameron. I don't know if we have the ability to do that, but we will try and see if we can get a recording of all the jokes thrown around between Mike and Mike here this afternoon or this morning, I should say. 
But as far as homework goes, you guys are more than welcome to kind of pop in at the end. Uh, Mike, see, you've kind of been through this before, so you know this a little bit. But with homework, we are about to ask you as listeners to choose one piece of homework. This is what makes our podcast different. This is really where you put into action what you heard Mike and Mike speak about today. So please only choose one. Five to six pieces of homework within one week is a lot to accomplish. And sometimes these are very extensive pieces of homework sometimes are very simple but choose what speaks to you what has to move the needle forward in your business this week and uh we'll go from there but uh what's the only other thing i'm forgetting uh group we do have an accountability group within facebook and if you do need help or want to ask questions you can always feel free to join that group it is private um so everything does stay within that group and um that's where we'll put the homework and post it as well so marketing homework mine's actually going to be a simpler one this week um, I'm going to challenge you to put a typo or put sent from iPhone in one of your emails. Do something that adds an actual look of a human touch to your follow-up process. That's all I want you to do this week is just really stop making it look as though it's trying to come from a Fortune 500 company with a sales logo and the pictures and all the things. Just be human, be you, speak in your voice, have a typo have it sent from an iPhone, whatever you think is going to work best for you and your company, do that. Just really go back to that human side of marketing because that's what all of us have been craving ever since COVID is really just craving the human touch and understanding that human connection that we're all still the same. So that's what I'm going to challenge you to do this week. I love, oh, okay. We're just going to stay second, Amanda. I'm sorry. Uh, I love that because uh, Liam, I, Liam O'Day from, uh, shiny Sherpa now rebranded as bottom line words. He has one where it's like, thanks, Karen. We're so excited to get started. We'll see you on Thursday. Really looking forward to this project. And then like five minutes later, the automation is like, oh, shoot, wrong person. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> let us know if you want to continue on your project. And it like creates this, like, you know, they're joining the cool kids club and people are signing up. Uh, I love this idea of adding that. Uh, Drew Larson's blowing up the chat with reply with a video add a gift yeah. to an email. Yeah. There's um, so many ways. Martha just shared one that said that the simple text emails actually convert better and open better than the ones that are like over stylized. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. Emails are, email uh, companies are, you know, starting to be able to detect where certain pictures are placed within the mm -hmm. email to know whether or not that's coming from a promotional side of things or it's actually coming from a genuine person. So that's why you're getting things sorted within the email um, folders to promotional versus social versus in regular inbox. Yeah, those boring, ugly emails that send Jim sends will <laughs> convert higher. You were. Uh, I love it. Um, okay, so for finance homework this week, I'm going to challenge you to choose your top three KPIs. You had Mike A's version, you had Mike C's version. You can choose your own version. And I want you to start tracking them every week. And I want you to I want you to go into your CRM and I want you to write them down as of that day for the past week. And I want you to watch the trend because what uh, I think Amanda said it, she said it beautifully, what gets measured gets improved. So if you can sit there and start tracking it, the data exists. This isn't necessarily in your books. This is probably in your CRM. If you have to do it manually, do it manually. But mm -hmm. conversion rate, I love Mike A said, if you can double your conversion rate, you cut your client acquisition costs in half. Like that is my love language. That is what we should be doing is cutting expenses, driving growth, driving revenue, driving profitability. 
So your homework this week, choose your top three KPIs in your business, track them today, and then do it again before we see you next week on Fight Club. I'm going to pass you to Amanda. All right. Uh, you know I'm going for that follow-up route because that that's money right there. Contact these guys to, to support <laughs> that. But I'm going to say if you're not following up, start following up. And Mike gave you some really good windows of when it's effective, that two to three days, seven to 10 days, and 18 to 20 days. So if you're not doing a follow-up, start that. Mm. Start that. Get in contact with these guys to help it. <laughs> awesome. And your system's homework is to harass Mike Andes, hopefully in public on Facebook somehow, uh, and get him to lift the nose up on what I can see looks like an incredible CRM. So I, I put his contact information and in the Apparently there's a co-pilot users group. Maybe you might be able to get into, I don't know, and ask a few questions, but uh, check him out. And I put all the resources in the group on Facebook. That's your systems homework. Awesome. <laughs> Do we get to give homework? I was yeah. just I'm worried about the attorney though. Like uh, Kelvin, you might want to edit that out too. We're not encouraging to actively harass one of our yeah. guests. Yeah. Uh, just, hey, hey, hey. Harassment is fantastic. Okay. <laughs> And yes, you are both welcome to give homework. So whoever would like to go first, please feel free to take it over. Age before beauty. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just go back to um, being able to take care of your homework. We need to block some time to actually get things done in the business and not firefight. So um, whether it's locking yourself in the office, I'm going to suggest getting out of the office, go somewhere where it's Starbucks or wherever you're going um, or on a quarterly event, go and rent a hotel room. Uh, or a boardroom and, and get that done outside of the chaos of business and actually get this homework done. So block out some time, respect the time, and that's time to work on it and not in it, as Michael Gerber would say. Because a, a lot of times we're too busy to actually get this stuff done. We got great ideas, but we're not actually respecting our own time to get the work done inside the business. Love it. And we always end with a quote. Is it quote time? No, I get to give my homework. What are you talking about? I forgot. At the end of a fight, they talk to the winner last. I just want to point that out. All right? Don't try to cut me out. That's worse than Joe Rogan walking off of the octagon after Conor McGregor gives a KO after the first round. I, I don't know. I just felt like we were done. I don't know. You were demoted. Thank you. I appreciate just put that right there. Right over here is the controller, right there. So besides the homework of finding a new uh, host to give me my uh, my post-fight interview, um, after my amazing workout of crushing Mike Callahan, after that, my homework would be, um, I forget. Oh, oh yeah. So uh, what was it now? Oh, yeah. Making a video for every estimate. So uh, I highly recommend that uh, if you are having less than 10 estimates a day, especially if you're just getting started and have three or four, make a video for every single estimate afterwards, personalized to the customer, uh, a minute, two minutes long, saying kind of abbreviating what you're gonna send the estimates about, saying that you'd love to service their property, maybe potentially even giving them a date of service that you can get them on the schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and then use a Gmail app on your phone. It automatically compresses the video down to about three to five megabytes. So it's very easy to send. Um, and use a different email than your regular business one. So for example, I have one called, oh man, uh, Mike Andy's inbox at gmail.com. I change it every few months, but I send a, I send a, a, video, a personalized video to every single person that buys anything from my businesses. 
Um, there's a whole bunch. You can go to my YouTube. There's a whole bunch of businesses. But like we do web design, we do bookkeeping, we do taxes, we do all this other stuff. Every single customer. And sometimes like right now, I'll scroll. I'll let me let me show you this. Sorry, this will take two seconds. But like these are all emails from the last couple of days of customers from Copilot, etc. Um, Long Care Media, blah blah blah. Now look at the bottom ones. These ones are people have canceled. And so I'll also send them a video and I'll personalize personally say, sorry that we disappointed you. What can we improve at, et cetera. Um, and I think if we all do that, you improve your close ratio. In addition to following up, do it with a personalized video. You might get a better response rate. That's great. I love that. Well, I think I can speak for all of us and say that this was quite an eventful show. Probably one of the <laughs> most similar to a boxing match we've been a part of uh, since the you know founding of Fight Club. But uh, if anyone does want to get into contact with either of you, Mike Squared, what would be the best <laughs> way for them to get into contact with you? Uh, so I just gave my email away. So, uh, <laughs> but no, MikeAndies.com is all I got. Mike, give uh, a pitch. Go for it. Uh, SimpleGrowthSystems.com or our new launch, SimpleEstimateSystems with an S.com. And we've got a team of almost 30 full-time people uh, there to help you if you need it. That's Perfect. Awesome. And we always end with a quote, guys. And so this one is very fitting. Uh, it's from our friend, Mother Teresa, who I thought would be perfect uh, for today's uh, event. And she said, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. And together, we can do great things. I think it's pretty fitting. Together, you guys are making it a lot of fun to hang out. And I am so happy uh, to have shared this time with you. This was a lot of fun, guys. I don't know about you guys, but it was great. Thank you. It was awesome. Thanks. Now I know why Martha did not join us. She knew what she was getting into. So, uh, you know, She's next time Martha's smart. getting pulled in. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. As a good sport, as a good sport, I just want to make it very clear that it's not simplegrowth.com. It's simplegrowthsystems.com. Oh, so, Mike, <laughs> look over here. Being a good sport, helping you out. The comments are wrong. Simplegrowthsystems.com. <laughs> everyone go there. Just just bog the site down with traffic, all right? <laughs> he wins. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, Have guys. Bye. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.